everybody. It is Corey Poirier. Really excited to be back with the latest episode of the show. Really excited to have, I'll call him a first-time guest, even though he's a guest on the inside of our speakers program, uh, an expert on that side. But first-time guest on our show. I uh, just visited his show. So really excited to bring him on board and love all the work he's doing. And we'll get into that. But uh, his name is Mark Mawinney. And Mark, really excited to have you here today. And I guess I'll get us started by asking you maybe the same question I asked you when we interviewed you as an expert, which is, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory for our listeners who maybe discover you for the first time? It's deja vu, Corey, because we just did this one a week ago. So it feels kind of weird. Now we're doing it again. So um, hopefully I don't repeat myself. Just let me know if I'm telling some lame story second time or whatever. Um, my my where I'm at currently is I'm a coach and essentially I help other coaches with their business. So I'm a coach who coaches coaches and that always gets people, you know, kind of looking strange at me, but my background is actually in real estate and I did real estate for over a decade, started as a young whippersnapper at 21, went through um, many good years and I went through a few bad years with um, not one, but two business closures uh, that those were interesting times life of an entrepreneur but it all worked out because that led to me getting into coaching which was uh, beginning of 2014 and here I am today so that's my life in a nutshell love it so Mark uh, you know you mentioned the the real estate side and, and mentioned businesses and you know jumping into businesses and and maybe not you know having a good run and then you know at the end or at certain points not having uh, a great run as well how important do you think, and I'm thinking from an entrepreneurial perspective now, how important do you think it is for an entrepreneur to take those risks and to, and to be okay with having those bad experiences? Because as you and I both know, they're going to happen at some point. How okay do you think a person should be with those in terms of learning from their failures? Because I think there's now, there's this thought process out there that, you know, it's okay not to fail or everybody, nobody should be left behind. And I think that impacts our ability to deal with failure. And I love how you so embrace, you know, we had some bad times with the businesses and learned some, you know, had some trenches that we were in. I think it's inevitable. I mean, that should be common sense. If you're going into business, you're, there's a risk there. You're not getting a steady paycheck. You don't know where your next meal's coming from. And you're going to get strangers in some, uh, their parents' basement in Boise, Idaho, throwing hate at you. They don't even know you, you know, eating Cheetos and they're on their mom's computer. So uh, that's, that's business in 2017. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the re reason I grew so much, so much through my decade in real estate is that I took chances and I was constantly rolling the dice. And I went on a really long run where nothing went wrong. You know, I wasn't rolling snake eyes. It was just all win, 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 win. And I started to think, hey, business, this business thing's easy, you know. And I made the joke before. I said I, I felt like by the time I, I turned 40, I would have a private island and a fleet of jets and, you know, be hanging out with Bill Gates and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden 2009 hit. But even looking back at all those, I don't regret that because the whole reason I grew so much in real estate was I was taking those chances. And I think I'm smarter about it now, but I'm still taking a lot of chances with when it comes to coaching, you know, and I'm not afraid to roll the dice. You know, we're getting into and going all in on Facebook ad campaign, you know, coming up soon. And that's something some people say, oh, gee, should you be plunking down that kind of money? And should you be doing this and doing that? And the way I look at it, it's, uh, it's the nature of the beast. If you don't want to take risk, if you can't stomach it, then you're best to get a nine to five job where you know you're going to get paid every second Thursday morning and you can live that way. But for me, maybe I'm a sucker for punishment. I don't know if you're like this. I just, I don't know. I like the excitement. I'd rather have those ups and downs excitement than be working a nine to five that I hated. Yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm much the same way, Mark. And, you know, I guess even why, you know, I asked that and went in that direction is because as a speaker, I appreciate when somebody's willing to share the bad moments as well as the good, because I've learned over the years, an audience or listeners or viewers, depending on what the circumstances, will go along for the ride with you much easier if they feel you're being full disclosure. Mm. I find so many people are shared, you know, they're worried about sharing a failure or a setback or a mistake because they feel it'll make them look weaker. When in fact, I've discovered, you know, probably you see it on the coaching side, it, it makes you stronger in their eyes. It makes you know, it, they can identify with you and they say, well, you know, if Mark had this setback, then it's okay for me to have had it as well. So mm -hmm. I just love that you're, you're with your journey, your full disclosure and you share those setbacks. Yeah. I mean, um, 
if we had been talking about this back seven years ago, it'd be a little rough and I probably wouldn't be as um, nonchalant about it. You know, I would be on the top of a building getting ready to jump off. No, it wasn't that bad, but um, I, I think um, like anything with life, when enough time passes, same thing goes with relationships. When you, you know, when you get, go through a breakup, you think it's the worst thing in the world. You can't live without the girl. And then you get the benefit of hindsight and you look back, you think, Oh my God, how do I make it that long with that girl or whatever? I think it's the same with uh, what happens with um, our business failures and stuff. And I'm all for failure as long as you learn something from that. And um, that's the best education you can get better than any education you can get in a, in any book that's out there. So, I've taken the lessons learned from it and I'm still learning lessons from it. Even today, many years later, it's helping me with this. And I hopefully will uh, hopefully bypass a lot of the mistakes I made back then and then help some others bypass similar mistakes. Well, Mark, I want to talk about uh, groups uh, in relation to Facebook. I want to talk about coaching, some of the ways you spend your time regularly. But one of the things that I, I'd be remiss not to ask you about, because I'm just curious and I'm sure listeners are, and I always, if I think of something, if I'm wondering about that, I don't want to leave that and have people say, why didn't you ask me about this? Uh, you said 2009 was sort of when that happened, and we were, you were talking about real estate. Was that, I mean, we all know what happened in 2008, 2009 with real estate, especially in the U.S., which carried over into Canada. Mm. Was that a part of that for you? Like, was that, when you say that this all happened, was that related to that? It was a part of it. Now, if I'm being honest with myself, I made some mistakes too. So it'd be very easy for me to say, well, the crash happened in the States in 08. And then, you know what they say, uh, the U.S. Uh, catches a cold, uh, sneezes and we catch a cold, right? Because it's just in Canada, we're affected by everything. That didn't scare me off. I knew what was going on down in the States. And I still looked at my business, grow, 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 grow. And I thought, you know what, the timing's right. Uh, January 1st, 09 to launch out on my own. So my situation, I it was stuck between a rock and a hard place because I was working with a, inside a larger brokerage, but I had a team of about 15 and we were covering all our expenses and we were paying a ton of money to the brokerage, which didn't make any sense because um, nothing against it. It's, it was a great franchise and stuff, but we were too big for that brokerage, our mo the way the model went. So we either had to, okay, stay put, not grow anymore and stay there or go for it and push all in. And I chose to push all in. And unfortunately I pulled, um, uh, uh, Anna Kornikova. Have you ever heard of that? If you're a poker player? No, I haven't actually. And Anna Kornikova is, um, I hope I don't offend any women or tennis fans that watch it. It's a, um, an ace queen. And, uh, when you get that in hold them as your starting hand, and it's supposed to, it looks great, but it rarely wins. So they called it Anna Kornikova. It looked great. Things look great for me and I didn't win. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's what happened. The, the, there was a mix of the issues down in the States with the real estate global market crashing. And then our market totally crashed a month or two after we opened the doors for the larger venture. Just went with just a horrible February where it dropped down. No but he was buying houses. I was too aggressive with growth. So I was grow, grow, grow. Cause I'd been that way for 10 years and was opening up offices and, you know, buying ivory back scratchers for the offices. No, it wasn't that bad, but I was hiring like crazy. I was bringing in a lot of new agents. It takes a while to get them up and going. It was just a big, I don't know if this is edited, a big shit storm thrown in all together. Right. And that's what happened. So I could take uh, a responsibility. I made mistakes. That I would certainly have changed it if I could go back and do it. So it's a combination of bad market conditions and then bad mark, bad market and bad mark. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And you know, Mark, when you say this, uh, you've probably heard of Steve jobs is uh, his uh, commencement talk about joining up your dots. Yes. And, uh, and there's a show probably, I don't know if you, you're, you know, David, David Rock. Rock. yeah, I've been on that show before. He was actually the hundredth guest I had on natural born coaches on my show. He was my hundredth. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And David's uh, got an amazing, it, it, great personality. And, and in fact, we use, um, in our, my media, um, let's say my media video, we use one of his comments because he's so, he's so humorous. He is uh, a dry British humor. Yes. And so yeah. one of his lines, he said, because of all the stuff that I had done, you know, and it seems like a lot for my age. So he said, either our next guest is 420 years old <laughs> or, and I'm like, that's such a great media quote. But anyway, so just in relation to doing, you know, doing a lot in your life at a young age anyway. So, um, but the join up the dots thing. Uh, so Steve jobs, that, that really spoke to me when I heard his commencement because I had taken a position years ago with a fortune 500 company after moving across the country from Eastern Canada to Western Canada. And 
I had this newspaper before that, and it, it basically it failed. I mean, I, you know, the, rather than belabor it and explain all the details, it failed. And I moved across the country, and I was beating myself up over this failed business because it was, I was young. It was my first business, and of course, I was getting applauded as well before it failed because I was so young running the business. And I got this job at this Fortune 500 company and had a good run of success there. And it led to a lot of the other things. And so I had to reflect while I was in that job a few years later as to why I got the job. And the general manager, who I'm still friends with to this day, said, you know, Corey, we had 178 applicants and we hired you. So I'm like, well, why? And so he said, well, there were two reasons. One, I knew that you were moving across the country. So you basically had to succeed or you had to go back home with your tail between your legs. Hmm. Whereas if I hire somebody locally, they can just say, I'm done and leave. So that was one thing. And he had just moved from... Um, if you listeners from, you know, Canada will know this, but from Winnipeg to Edmonton. So he was new there too. And he said, I can't go back home either. So that was one thing. But the second thing, which is probably <coughs> is he said, I saw that at 19 years of age, you launched a business and it was a unique business that he hadn't heard of before somebody launching, but you launched this unique business at a young age. And he said, anybody who's willing to do that can survive in, in making cold calls. Cause that's what I would be doing. Yeah. And so long story short, if you looked at my dots, you could say, well, that newspaper that failed, was a big part of who I became. And I wouldn't be probably even sitting here where I am today if I didn't have all those dots. So I'm sure you, for yourself, even though you said you're going full bore, maybe buying the ivory back scratches mm. and then going, you know, what are we doing? And, and I'm sure there was, a, like you said, at the time, you might beat yourself up, but it seems like you really have found your niche and your love and your passion now. And if that's the case, that wouldn't probably be possible without you going so hard with the real estate. Is that yeah. a fair statement? If that hadn't happened, I would have been probably a miserable real estate agent today. And uh, this isn't to knock real estate. I had a lot of great years, but let's be frank. I haven't met a lot of happy real estate agents. You know, it's, it's a tough life. You got your phone up to your ear 24-7. You feel like you're on call. You're working seven days a week and you don't, you don't get to see your loved ones much. And it, it's not a good life balance, really and a work-life balance. So I would still be doing it because, um, the problem I had was I conditioned myself to thinking, hey, I'm a real estate guy, Mr. Real Estate, because that's all I did right out of university. And I hadn't considered other things because coaching wasn't even around like it is today back then. So uh, it reminds me of um, Robinson Crusoe in that book. Uh, actually, Maxwell Maltz talks about this in, in Psycho Cybernetics, but he tells a story when Robinson Crusoe landed on that island, shipwrecked. He set up camp on one side of the island. And then when he got exploring the island later, the other side of the island was much better for food, vegetation, shelter, like 10 times better. So any person, you know, would normally go to that better side of the island would have been much better, but he didn't want to leave where he landed because he was used to being there. And, and that story shows how much humans hate change. Even if something is better on the other side, they stay on their side of the island could be a bad job, bad relationship, bad business, bad anything, because they just don't want to change. So it just, it took time for me to realize that now when I look back and join up my dots and look back at them, I'm like, man, I'm glad things, I, now I'm not glad the way they ended because it was a messy, you know, closure. I didn't burn bridges. I like took a friggin' bazooka and exploded bridges and, you know, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But um, I still wouldn't change the path to coaching and it's made me a better coach too. I can be more empathetic and I can definitely relate to my clients a lot better because I've had those sleepless nights not knowing how I'm going to make payroll and dealing with people wanting to kill me and all this other stuff. <laughs> Get that totally, Mark. And yeah. so, you know, I want to ask you before, because this just triggered sort of in my head and I'll explain why I want to ask this. And then I want to dive into coaching and groups, like mm -hmm. I mentioned, but you know, when, when you think about coaching and you had said it wasn't as big a thing back then, something, I don't know if I mentioned to you in our last interview, but I want to mention to you today, because I noticed that when people add me on Facebook, LinkedIn, what have you, I always, of course, I always look at what, you know, what, you know, what's their career, what's their, you know, I'm, I, I look in personal life, but really what's, what's their career just to see how I identify with them. And I'm seeing more now than ever before the term coach with their name. So it seems to me, and I think I can say this quite confidently, there's more coaches, um, like we'll say that field, there's more people in that field, it seems like, or it's grow, such a growing field compared to other fields that it seems like almost every name you see has a coach behind it somewhere. Mm. And so my question out of that, and I think this relates to entrepreneurs and coaches both, but you've been able to stand out and obviously having the coaching jungle probably helps that. Mm. But can you share with us a couple of insights, Mark, about how somebody in your experience can 
stand out now in a time where everybody seems to be kind of competing for the same piece of the pie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. You're right. Cause I go out my door in the morning, I'm tripping over a coach in the driveway and then I step on one, get in the mail and everybody's a coach. So, well, when I, I'll tell you how, how I started with my coaching and the mistake I made and how I corrected it. So when I started coaching beginning of 2014, I said, I'm going to be a coach for entrepreneurs, <laughs> which is about as broad as you could be. But coming from my background in real estate, I love entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship. And I said, I want to help that those people. And I realized that was way too broad, way too general. And um, I don't know, in that uh, first year after enough of doing this, I had a few clients, a couple bricks and mortar. And then I had two coaches that I was helping and it was night and day who I preferred working with the coaches, nothing against Joe from Joe's plumber and plumbing or someone selling widgets with their business, but like a gym owner and stuff like that with a physical location that doesn't really float my boat, you know, and with the coaches, it was really fun. I enjoyed the calls, the um, helping them with the programs and their, their marketing and their copy, just everything else is doing stuff with. And um, so for me, I, it was night and day. I'd love to work with the coaches. I said, this is stupid. Why am I trying? appeal to ABC widget store with the bricks and mortar and also coaches I said I'm just going to refer off anyone that comes to me from the bricks and mortar more traditional businesses and I'll work solely with coaches and you know I wouldn't have known that unless I actually got out there and and coached and did that work because it was it took a little while for me to realize that so don't overthink it in the early days get out there and help people but I would recommend to stand out don't put yourself out there as too general you know not to knock life coaches I know some great life coaches but I find that that's very general you know hey I'll help you have better relationships, make more money, um, be more spiritual, help you with your health and just everything else. And I really think nowadays that you have to be known for something like, you know, people look at you and there's Corey, there's that speaker guy. You know, they look at me and they know I help coaches. Um, uh, John Schumacher is a great guy. I know he's a webinar guy. You know, um, Chris Jones is a book guy. He does editing. So I, I, the best people I know they're doing really well are people when you look at them, you're like, oh, he's a funnel guy he's a she's a blank a blank whatever and i think you have to be known for something so that would be a, a big piece of advice is niche down we hear that a lot but you have to um uh, where do they say this is the american pronunciation the riches are in the niches we would have to say the riches are in the niches or something in canada but uh definitely have to niche down um you can't be too general makes sense and you know when whenever you said that too about uh be known for something. I, mm. I, mean, I remember hearing this phrase before. I don't know. I, I'd love to credit who said it, but I don't know where it came from. I, I said it. If it's profound and intelligent, I said it. Okay. So we'll decide <laughs> if, if it was, if you decide if you want to claim yeah. it, but basically it was just a, a statement that I heard in marketing before. If you're not known for something, you're known for nothing. Yeah. Basically, or you're not. I, I did say that. Okay. Was your, <laughs> I, I also coined the phrase, whatever the mind of man can conceive and uh, believe it can achieve. Okay. So I thought I read that Napoleon Hill's book. Yeah. No, no, oh. not him. They, it might've been the updated version. They lifted it from me. Oh yeah. Cause the updated version I think was in the nineties or something. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, I, I mentioned, I want to go to groups and, and so I think this is kind of, in some ways, this has become sort of a, I guess a niche or niche uh, for you as well, Mark. And then I know there's like, you, you have a program where you interview other people that are running successful groups, but in the coaching group side of things, I think this might even be a, a niche or a niche for you. So can you talk to us about why you decided to get into groups and, and what the benefits are as well? Yeah, it's interesting because this wasn't planned, but a few topics have popped up or themes in my business that I talk a lot about now and have programs for and stuff. And one of them is Facebook groups. Uh, email marketing has popped up unexpectedly because I started doing daily emails to my list last year. And now all of a sudden I'm talking about that a lot with interviews and, you know, and things. So uh, to make a long story short, I started a Facebook group years ago for past guests in my podcast. So I launched my podcast November, 2014. It was a daily show back then. Now it's weekly. But I said, hey, it'd be cool to have a Facebook group for anyone who's interviewed on the show. I'll throw them in there. So after enough time of doing that group, I was getting, that was only for past guests of natural born coaches. I was getting all these other coaches requests 
asking to join because they just didn't notice the past guest part. So I was getting all these great coaches requesting to join and I had to have a copy, a thing that I'd copy and paste every time. And it was, Hey, thanks for requesting to join the group. This is only for people who've been on my podcast. Have a nice day. After enough of those, I thought, you know what, this is really silly. I should have a group that's open to everybody. So that's where I started my group, The Coaching Jungle. And thank you for being a member and active member in there. So uh, that's at thecoachingjungle.com. I'll give a cheap plug if anyone wants to check it out. But um, so that's why I started The Coaching Jungle. So it could be open for any coaches who want to improve their business and grow a successful business. And that's really how it got started. But it was really by accident because my first real Facebook group was actually for my podcast. And I actually shut that Facebook group down a couple of weeks ago. It's at around 350 people in there. And I said, you know what? Everything I'm doing is with the coaching jungle. It's at 6,500 people now as we're recording it. doesn't make sense to divide my energy into my attention. I'm going to focus on the coaching jungle. So the podcast is still going. It's going strong, but I just don't have the Facebook group for the Natural Born Coaches past guests anymore. So it's interesting, Mark, that you say that that's how it started because we, we didn't do it, but we were working with a social media. I always struggle with the terms like social media guru or expert or what have yeah. you. And, um, and I'm not going to say any names because of what I'm going to say, but I, I reason I no, say, go ahead. We're all friends. <laughs> well, what did they do? <laughs> well, I, I was going to say the reason I struggle with the guru or expert thing is it seems like there's more people ready to tell you how to crush it on social media than there are people who figured out how to do that. Mm. So what I mean by that is even the person that was going to help us um, grew, this person actually grew a seemingly large Facebook following, but they did it whenever, you know, before Facebook changed everything. Yeah. And so they're saying, we're going to show you how to get massive engagement. Mm. And then you go to their page and they don't have massive, engage, massive yeah. engagement. And you go to their link, uh, Instagram and they have less than you and Twitter and they have less than you. And I don't even have a large following on them. So anyway, the point being is that, so I struggle with saying that term, but one of the things she suggested that I now maybe wish I did, but maybe I wasn't meant to because of what you just said was she suggested that what we should do for the show was start up a Facebook group with past guests. Mm. And we never did it. And I always like sort of beat myself up. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do this? And now I, I bought your coaching, uh, your group program. Mm -hmm. And um, we're about to, once our launch is done for the speaking program, we're about to dive in. And so maybe I wasn't meant to, because maybe I'd be shutting it down now anyway. And I wouldn't have had the knowledge of keeping people engaged because that's like you said it, I think in the program, but I know it to be true as well is you see more Facebook groups and fan pages that are dead in the water then you do engage like yours or like we talked about podcast for paradise or some of those pages that are really engaged. And so you guys have found stuff that worked. I mentioned one of the things for me that I noticed was the theme day, you know, so there's these things that obviously are best practices that most people aren't doing. So maybe I would have had this group that was dead in the water and those guests I brought on at the time may be made like they may go, well, I'm not going to jump back in because you know, we were already in this and nothing happened. So right. maybe it was meant to be. But anyway, it's kind of interesting you say that's how it got started because we almost did. And for whatever reason, I can't say why. I think it was just I looked at the work involved and said, you know, if, I'm not, if I don't know if we're going to have engagement because I was already kind of bothered by having thousands of people on my fan page and little engagement. Mm. So it was just this judgment call. And anyway, I think maybe it was for the right reason. Maybe it was part of my joint of thoughts. Maybe this moment that I bought your program will be the, the reason that I know why I didn't go the other direction. But it's kind of cool how you got started in a way we were going to originally start. Yeah. And do it. it can work too, not to knock the whole having one with a past guest. It works best if someone like you who's interviewed 4,000 people or whatever, it can work there. Where it doesn't work if someone says, um, let's say they have a weekly show. And they just launch it and they say, I'm going to have a Facebook group for past guests of the show. Well, they only have 52 potential members per year and, and you're not going to get all 52. Maybe you get 20, maybe you get 30. That's a pretty small group. So I wouldn't recommend it if it's a weekly show. If you're doing a daily show, then definitely you could do it. But however you do it, don't divide your attention. And um, I've always been a big fan of not splitting my attention. So in this case, whatever I was doing with the coaching jungle took off and caught fire. I said, I'm going to ride that pony, right? And forget about the other one. Uh, so th that's why I did it. And I, I hated to shut down the other one because I was developing good relationships with people who'd been on the show in there and stuff. But I just wasn't being active in there. And if I'm not active in a group, I don't want to keep it going. Same thing goes with my LinkedIn group. Like I'm not a LinkedIn guy. I just don't enjoy LinkedIn. I'm there. I do a post a day and do a little bit, but I had a LinkedIn group that was um, 
it was neglected. It was kind of the redheaded stepchild. I just wasn't paying attention to it. And once I killed it off, I just felt like a lot left a hundred pounds went off my shoulders. I was like, ah, oh, that feels good. I don't have to worry about moderating it. I don't get it. I don't get LinkedIn groups. Like I do Facebook groups and I killed it off. So whatever you do, focus on whatever's working, stick to that. Don't try to do a couple different groups on a couple different platforms. So Mark, I'm going to move away from, from uh, groups because I, you know, I want to, as we start to wind down, I want to make sure we at least mention coaching. And then if we get time, I want to ask you a few questions that we try to ask most of the guests on the show. Um, but the groups, just to, to finish that off, I know we can't do it justice, you know, in a, in a short interview, especially where we're only covering it as even like 10 minutes of the interview. Uh, but if listeners are saying, you know what, I wonder if building a group for leads or whatever the reason they want to build a group might be for them, where would you direct them? Because I know myself, like I said, I, I dived into your program. Well, I bought the program and it's on the back burner because I know once the launch is done, that's where I'm going to focus on it. Like yourself, I, I, I try not to divide my attention. Um, but where would you send them if they want to learn more about your expertise in the world of building Facebook groups, if they think that might be a possible business strategy for them? Well, I won't give the actual link. I'll get you an affiliate link. Uh, okay. So that way people, you got to buy ivory back scratchers. You got a new baby coming and stuff. So full disclosure, Corey will get paid. Um, if you want to put the link on your show notes page, um, you, you know, you can retire and go off to your Island with it. But um, yeah, I mean, my main page is naturalbornCoaches.com, and it's a group gold program is the name of the program, but we'll get you the link so you can, um, make a few dollars and it doesn't change the price of it. People pay the exact amount, but if you want to support Corey, go to the affiliate link. Okay. Awesome. Mark. And it's funny cause I don't own it, but I get to live on an Island, which is kind of cool. She's not yeah, this that's right, island yeah. that you're talking about. Uh, we'll talk about the green Gables for the, the rest of the interview. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, it's funny is uh, that, I mean, as you know, with PEI yeah. in the summer for about three months a year, you do, you kind of live in an Island paradise. The yeah. only problem is if you live here year round, you got to get beat up the rest of the year. It's an awesome, I, I don't, yes, I've been to PEI several times in the winter and it's like night and day compared to in the summer. It's this utopia, you know, the birds are chirping, the grass is green, the sand is red and it's just beautiful. But then I've been there before in like February and I'm thinking, you know, okay, time to leave the island. You know, we're going to go. And I think I've only been there once or twice in the winter, but it's a different spot. Beautiful province all year round, but it is, it's a magical place in the summers for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, Mark, I mentioned I wanted to ask about coaching really quickly. Uh, I wanted to ask you two sides of coaching. So one is on the side of why. So I'm thinking entrepreneurs that are listening who coaching may not be their fit. That may not be the direction they go with their career. But maybe I'm wondering if, if you can make the case for or tell us why we should have a coach. And then maybe I'll ask you about somebody who may be interested in coaching as a career. But first and foremost, why do you think people have a coach? Well, I think regardless how motivated you are and how good you think you are at keeping yourself accountable, you're always going to be missing stuff that a second pair of eyes could have helped you find so or help you see. So perfect example for years in real estate, I was approached several times by coaches, even though it wasn't as big back then. And I thought, why do I need a coach? Look at how well I'm doing. I'm doing awesome. You know, I should be coaching, you know. So I, I just said, no, thanks. You know, and then the business closure came around and I'm like, man, if I'd had a coach, maybe that would have helped things because that person would have said, uh, pointed out some things I really should have seen. So regardless of how good you are, it does help to have someone away from the situation. A coach is less, um, a coach is committed. They want you to succeed, obviously, but they're not in the thick of things if you're going through something so they can look at it a little bit more objectively. So I think that that helps why you should have a coach. And it's just human nature. We do better accountability if we have somebody watching over our shoulder. It's difficult you, if, you, if you don't have that person or that sort of um, whatever keeping you accountable, then you're going to slip up a little bit. You're not going to be as good, as disciplined as you could be. So huge fan of coaching because coaching got me back on my feet. Man, I Everybody, it is Corey Poirier. Really excited to be back with the latest episode of the show. Really excited to have, I'll call him a first time guest, even though he's a guest on the inside of our speakers program, uh, an expert on that side. But first time guest on our show, I uh, just visited his show. So really excited to bring him on board and love all the work he's doing. And we'll get into that. But uh, his name is Mark Mawinney. And Mark, really excited to have you here today. And I guess I'll get us started by asking you maybe the same question I asked you when we interviewed you as an expert, 
which is, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory for our listeners who maybe discover you for the first time? It's deja vu, Corey, because we just did this, what, a week ago, so it feels kind of weird, and now we're doing it again, so um, hopefully I don't repeat myself. Just let me know if I'm telling some lame story second time or whatever. Um, my, my, where I'm at currently is I'm a, a coach, and essentially, I help other coaches with their business, so I'm a coach of coaches, coaches, and that always gets people, you know, kind of looking strange at me, but my background's actually in real estate, and I did real estate for over a decade, started as a young whippersnapper at 21, went through um, many good years, and I went through a few bad years with um, not one, but two business closures, uh, that those were interesting times, life of an entrepreneur, but it all worked out, because that led to me getting into coaching, which was uh, beginning in 2014, and here I am today. So that's my life in a nutshell. Love it. So Mark, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the real estate side and, and mentioned businesses and, you know, jumping into businesses and, and maybe not, you know, having a good run. And then, you know, at, at the end or at certain points, not having uh, a great run as well. How important do you think, and I'm thinking from an entrepreneurial perspective now, how important do you think it is for an entrepreneur to take those risks and to, and to be okay with having those bad experiences because as you and I both know, they're going to happen at some point. How okay do you think a person should be with those in terms of learning from their failures? Because I think there's now, there's this thought process out there that, you know, it's okay not to fail or everybody, nobody should be left behind. And I think that impacts our ability to deal with failure. And I love how you so embrace, you know, we had some bad times with the businesses and learned some, you know, had some trenches that we were in. I think it's inevitable. I mean, that should be common sense. If you're going into business, you're, there's a risk there. You're not getting a steady paycheck. You don't know where your next meal's coming from. And you're going to get strangers in some, uh, their parents' basement in Boise, Idaho, throwing hate at you. They don't even know you, you know, eating Cheetos and they're on their mom's computer. So uh, that's, that's the business in 2017. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the re reason I grew so much, so much through my decade in real estate is that I took chances and I was constantly rolling the dice and I went on a really long run where nothing went wrong. You know, I wasn't rolling snake eyes. It was just all win, 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 win. And I started to think, hey, business, this business thing's easy, you know. And I made the joke before. I said I, I felt like by the time I, I turned 40, I would have a private island and a fleet of jets and, you know, be hanging out with Bill Gates and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, 2009 hit. But even looking back at all those, I don't regret that because the whole reason I grew so much in real estate was I was taking those chances. And I think I'm smarter about it now, but I'm still taking a lot of chances with when it comes to coaching, you know, and I'm not afraid to roll the dice. You know, we're getting into and going all in on Facebook ad campaign, you know, coming up soon. And that's something some people say, oh, gee, should you be plunking down that kind of money? And should you be doing this and doing that? And the way I look at it, it's, it's the nature of the beast. If you don't want to take risk, if you can't stomach it, then you're best to get a nine to five job where you know you're going to get paid every second Thursday morning and you can live that way. But for me, maybe I'm a sucker for punishment. I don't know if you're like this. I just, I don't know. I like the excitement. I'd rather have those ups and downs excitement than be working a nine to five that I hated. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I'm much the same way, Mark. And, you know, I guess even why, you know, I asked that and went in that direction is because as a speaker, I appreciate when somebody's willing to share the bad moments as well as the good, because I've learned over the years, an audience or listeners or viewers, depending on what the circumstances, will go along for the ride with you much easier if they feel you're being full disclosure. Mm. I find so many people are shared, you know, they're worried about sharing a failure or a setback or a mistake because they feel it'll make them look weaker. When in fact, I've discovered, you know, probably you see it on the coaching side, it, it makes you stronger in their eyes. It makes you know, it, they can identify with you and they say, well, if Mark had this setback, then it's okay for me to have had it as well. So mm. I, I just love that you're, you're with your journey, your full disclosure and you share those setbacks. Yeah. I mean, um, if we had been talking about this back seven years ago, it'd be a little raw and I probably wouldn't be as, um, nonchalant about it. You know, I would be on the top of a building getting ready to jump off. No, it wasn't that bad, but, um, I, I think, um, like anything with life when enough time passes same thing goes with relationships when you you know when you get, go through a breakup you think it's the worst thing in the world you can't live without the girl and then you get the benefit of hindsight and you look back you think oh my god how did i make it that long with that girl or whatever i think it's the same with uh, what happens with um, our business failures and stuff and i'm all for failure as long as you learn something from that and um, that's the best education you can get better than any education you can get in a, in any book that's out there so 
I've taken the lessons learned from it and I'm still learning lessons from it even today, many years later, it's helping me with this. And I hopefully will um, hopefully bypass a lot of the mistakes I made back then and then help some others bypass similar mistakes. Well, Mark, I want to talk about uh, groups uh, in relation to Facebook. I want to talk about coaching, some of the ways you spend your time regularly. But one of the things that I, I'd be remiss not to ask you about, because I'm just curious, and I'm sure listeners are, and I always, if I think of something, if I'm wondering about that, I don't want to leave that and have people say, why didn't you ask them about this? Uh, you said 2009 was sort of when that happened. And we were, you're talking about real estate. Was that I mean, we all know what happened in 2008, 2009 with real estate, especially in the U.S., which carried over into Canada. Mm. Was that a part of that for you? Like, was that when you say that this all happened, was that related to that? It, it was a part of it. Now, if I'm being honest with myself, I made some mistakes, too. So it'd be very easy for me to say, well, the crash happened in the States in 08. And then, you know what they say, uh, the U.S. Uh, catches a cold, uh, sneezes and we catch a cold, right? Because it's just in Canada, we're affected by everything. That didn't scare me off. I knew what was going on down in the States and I still looked at my business, grow, 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 grow. And I thought, you know what? The timing's right. Uh, January 1st, 09 to launch out on my own. So my situation, I it was stuck between a rock and a hard place because I was working with a, inside a larger brokerage, but I had a team of about 15 and we were covering all our expenses and we were paying a ton of money to the brokerage, which didn't make any sense because um, nothing against it. It's, it was a great franchise and stuff, but we were too big for that brokerage or the way the model went so we either had to okay stay put not grow anymore and stay there or go for it and push all in and I chose to push all in and unfortunately I pulled um uh uh Anna Kornikova have you ever heard of that if you're a poker player no I haven't actually and Anna Kornikova is um I hope I don't offend any women or tennis fans that watch it it's a um an ace queen and uh when you get that in hold'em as your starting hand and it's supposed to, it looks great, but it rarely wins. So they called it Anna Kornikova. It looked great. Things look great for me and I didn't win. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's what happened. The, the, there was a mix of the issues down in the States with the real estate global market crashing. And then our market totally crashed a month or two after we opened the doors for the larger venture. Just went with just a horrible February where it dropped down. No but he was buying houses. I was too aggressive with growth. So I was grow, grow, grow. Cause I'd been that way for 10 years and was open up offices and, you know, buying ivory back scratchers for the offices. No, it wasn't that bad, but I was hiring like crazy. I was bringing in a lot of new agents. It takes a while to get them up and going. It was just a big, I don't know if this is edited, a big shit storm thrown in all together. Right. And that's what happened. So I could take uh, a responsibility. I made mistakes. That I would certainly have changed it if I could go back and do it. So it's a combination of bad market conditions and then bad mark, bad market and bad mark. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And you know, Mark, when you say this, uh, you probably heard of Steve jobs is uh, his uh, commencement talk about joining up your dots. Yes. And, uh, and there's a show probably, I don't know if you, you're, you know, David. David Rock. Rock. Yeah. I've been on that show before. He was actually the hundredth guest I had on natural born coaches on my show. He was my hundredth. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And David's uh, got an amazing, it, it, great personality. And, and in fact, we use, um, in our, my media, um, let's say my media video, we use one of his comments because he's so, he's so humorous. He is a dry British humor. Yes. And so yeah. one of his lines, he said, because of all the stuff that I had done, you know, and it seems like a lot for my age. So he said, either our next guest is 420 years old <laughs> or, and I'm like, that's such a great media quote. But anyway, so just in relation to doing, you know, doing a lot in your life at a young age. Anyway, so, um, but the join up the dots thing. Uh, so Steve Jobs, that, that really spoke to me when I heard his commencement, because I had taken a position years ago with a Fortune 500 company after moving across the country from Eastern Canada to Western Canada. And I had this newspaper before that, and it, it basically, it failed. I mean, I, you know, the, rather than belabor it and explain all the details, it failed. And I moved across the country and I was beating myself up over this failed business because it was, I was young, it was my first business. And of course I was getting applauded as well before it failed because I was so young running the business. And I got this job at this Fortune 500 company and had a good run of success there. And it led to a lot of the other things. And so I had to reflect while I was in that job a few years later as to why I got the job. And the general manager, who I'm still friends with to this day, said, you know, Corey, we had 178 applicants and we hired you. Mm. So I'm like, well, why? And so he said, well, there were two reasons. One, I knew that you were moving across the country. So 
you basically had to succeed or you had to go back home with your tail between your legs. Hmm. Whereas if I hire somebody locally, they can just say, I'm done and leave. So that was one thing. And he had just moved from, um, if you listeners from, you know, Canada will know this, but from Winnipeg to Edmonton. So he was new there too. And he said, I can't go back home either. So that was one thing. But the second thing, which is probably <coughs> is he said, I saw that at 19 years of age, you launched a business and it was a unique business that he hadn't heard of before somebody launching, but you launched this unique business at a young age. And he said, anybody who's willing to do that can survive in, in making cold calls. Cause that's what I would be doing. Yeah. And so long story short, if you looked at my dots, you could say, well, that newspaper that failed was a big part of who I became. And I wouldn't be probably even sitting here where I am today if I didn't have all those dots. So I'm sure you, for yourself, even though you said you're going full bore, maybe buying the ivory back scratches mm. and then going, you know, what are we doing? And, and I'm sure there was a, like you said, at the time, you might beat yourself up, but it seems like you really have found your niche and your love and your passion now. And if that's the case, that wouldn't probably be possible without you going so hard with the real estate. Is that yeah. a fair statement? If that hadn't happened, I would have been probably a miserable real estate agent today. And uh, this isn't to knock real estate. I had a lot of great years, but let's be frank. I haven't met a lot of happy real estate agents. You know, it's, it's a tough life. You got your phone up to your ear 24 seven. You feel like you're on call. You're working seven days a week and you don't, you don't get to see your loved ones much. And it's, it's not a good life balance really. And a work-life balance. So I would still be doing it because, um, the problem I had was I conditioned myself to thinking, Hey, I'm a real estate guy, Mr. Real estate. Cause that's all I did right out of university. And I hadn't considered other things because coaching wasn't even around like it is today back then. So uh, it reminds me of um, Robinson Crusoe in that book. Uh, actually Maxwell Maltz talks about this in, in psycho cybernetics, but he tells a story when Robinson Crusoe landed on that Island shipwrecked, he set up camp on one side of the Island and then when he got exploring the island later, the other side of the island was much better for food, vegetation, shelter, like 10 times better. So any person, you know, would normally go to that better side of the island would have been much better, but he didn't want to leave where he landed because he was used to being there. And, and that story shows how much humans hate change. Even if something is better on the other side, they stay on their side of the island could be a bad job, bad relationship, bad business, bad anything, because they just don't want to change. So it just, it took time for me to realize that now when I look back and join up my dots and look back at them, I'm like, man, I'm glad things, I, now I'm not glad the way they ended because it was a messy, you know, closure. I didn't burn bridges. I like took a friggin' bazooka and exploded bridges and, you know, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But um, I still wouldn't change the path to coaching and it's made me a better coach too. I can be more empathetic and I can definitely relate to my clients a lot better because I've had those sleepless nights not knowing how I'm going to make payroll and dealing with people wanting to kill me and all this other stuff. <laughs> Get that totally, Mark. And yeah. so, you know, I want to ask you before, because this just triggered sort of in my head and I'll explain why I want to ask this. And then I want to dive into coaching and groups, like mm -hmm. I mentioned, but you know, when, when you think about coaching and you had said it wasn't as big a thing back then, it's something I don't know if I mentioned to you in our last interview, but I want to mention to you today because I noticed that when people add me on Facebook, LinkedIn, what have you, I always, of course, I always look at what, you know, what, you know, what's their career, what's their, you know, I'm, I, I look in personal life, but really what's, what's their career just to see how I identify with them. And I'm seeing more now than ever before the term coach with their name. So it seems to me, and I think I can say this quite confidently, there's more coaches, um, like we'll say that field, there's more people in that field, it seems like, or it's grow, such a growing field compared to other fields that it seems like almost every name you see has a coach behind it somewhere. Mm. And so my question out of that, and I think this relates to entrepreneurs and coaches both, but you've been able to stand out and obviously having the coaching jungle probably helps that. But can you share with us a couple of insights, Mark, about how somebody in your experience can stand out now in a time where everybody seems to be kind of competing for the same piece of the pie? Hmm. Yeah, it's tough. You're right. Cause I go out my door in the morning, I'm tripping over a coach in the driveway and then I step on one, get in the mail and everybody's a coach. So, well, when I, I'll tell you how, how I started with my coaching and the mistake I made and how I corrected it. So when I started coaching beginning of 2014, I said, I'm going to be coach for entrepreneurs, <laughs> which is about as broad as you could be, but coming from my background in real estate, I love entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship. And I said, I want to help that those people. And I realized that was way too broad, way too general. And um, I don't know, in that uh, first year after enough of doing this, I had a few clients, a couple bricks and mortar, 
And then I had two coaches that I was helping and it was night and day who I preferred working with the coaches, nothing against Joe from Joe's plumber and plumbing or someone selling widgets with their business, but like a gym owner and stuff like that with a physical location that doesn't really float my boat, you know, and with the coaches, it was really fun. I enjoyed the calls, the um, helping them with the programs and their, their marketing and their copy, just everything else I was doing stuff with. And um, so for me, I, it was night and day. I'd love to work with the coaches. I said, this is stupid. Why am I trying to appeal to ABC widget store with the bricks and mortar and also coaches? I said, I'm just going to refer off anyone that comes to me from the bricks and mortar, more traditional businesses, and I'll work solely with coaches. And, you know, I wouldn't have known that unless I actually got out there and, and coached and did that work because it, it took a little while for me to realize that. So don't overthink it in the early days, get out there and help people. But I would recommend that to stand out. Don't put yourself out there as too general, you know, and not to knock life coaches. I know some great life coaches, but I find that that's very general, you know, Hey, I'll help you have better relationships, make more money, um, be more spiritual, help you with your health and just everything else. And I really think nowadays that you have to be known for something like, you know, people look at you and there's Corey, there's that speaker guy. You know, they look at me and they know I help coaches. Um, uh, John Schumacher is a great guy. I know he's a webinar guy. You know, um, Chris Jones is a book guy. He does editing. So I, every, the best people I know they're doing really well are people when you look at them, you're like, oh, he's a funnel guy. He's a, she's a blank, a blank, whatever. And I think you have to be known for something. So that would be a, a big piece of advice is, niche down we hear that a lot but you have to um uh, where do they say this is the american pronunciation the riches are in the niches we would have to say the riches are in the niches or something in canada but uh definitely have to niche down um you can't be too general makes sense and you know when whenever you said that too about uh being known for something i, mm. I, mean, I remember hearing this phrase before i don't even, I, i'd love to credit who said it but i don't know where it came from i i said it if it's profound and intelligent i said it Okay, so we'll decide if, if it was, if you decide if you want to claim it, but basically it was just a, a statement that I heard in marketing before. If you're not known for something, you're known for nothing. Yeah. Basically, or you're not. I, I did say that. Okay. Was your, okay. I, I also coined the phrase, whatever the mind of man can conceive and uh, believe it can achieve. Okay. So I thought I read that Napoleon Hill's book. Yeah. No, no, oh. not him. They, it might have been the updated version. They lifted it from me. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the updated version, I think, was in the 90s or something. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, I, I mentioned I wanted to go to groups. And, and so I think this is kind of, in some ways, this has become sort of a, I guess, a niche or niche uh, for you as well, Mark. And then I know there's, like, you, you have a program where you interview other people that are running successful groups. But in the coaching group side of things, I think this might even be a, a niche or a niche for you. So can you talk to us about why you decided to get into groups and, and what the benefits are as well? Yeah, it's interesting because this wasn't planned, but a few topics have popped up or themes in my business that I talk a lot about now and have programs for and stuff. And one of them is Facebook groups. Uh, email marketing has popped up unexpectedly because I started doing daily emails to my list last year. And now all of a sudden I'm talking about that a lot with interviews and, you know, and things. So uh, to make a long story short, I started a Facebook group years ago for past guests in my podcast. So I launched my podcast November, 2014. It was a daily show back then. Now it's weekly. But I said, hey, it'd be cool to have a Facebook group for anyone who is interviewed on the show. I'll throw them in there. So after enough time of doing that group, I was getting that was only for past guests of natural born coaches. I was getting all these other coaches requesting to join because they just didn't notice the past guest part. So I was getting all these great coaches requesting to join. And I had to have a copy, a thing I'd copy and paste every time. And it was, hey, thanks for requesting to join the group. This is only for people who've been on my podcast. Have a nice day. After enough of those, I thought, you know what, this is really silly. I should have a group that's open to everybody. So that's where I started my group, The Coaching Jungle. And thank you for being a member and active member in there. So uh, that's at thecoachingjungle.com. I'll give a cheap plug if anyone wants to check it out. But um, so that's why I started The Coaching Jungle. So it could be open for any coaches who want to improve their business and grow a successful business. And that's really how it got started. But it was really by accident because my first real Facebook group was actually for my podcast. And I actually shut that Facebook group down a couple of weeks ago. It's at around 350 people in there. And I said, you know what? Everything I'm doing is with the coaching jungle. It's at 6,500 people now as we're recording it. doesn't make sense to divide my energy into my tension. I'm going to focus on the coaching jungle. So the podcast is still going. It's going strong, but I just don't have the Facebook group for the Natural Born Coaches past guests anymore. So it's interesting, Mark, that you say that that's how it started because we, we didn't do it, but we were working with a social media 
I always struggle with the terms like social media guru or expert or what have yeah. you. And, um, and I'm not going to say any names because of what I'm going to say, but I, I reason I no, say, go ahead. We're all <laughs> friends. <laughs> what did they do? <laughs> well, I, I was going to say the reason I struggle with the guru or expert thing is it seems like there's more people ready to tell you how to crush it on social media than there are people who figured out how to do that. Mm. So what I mean by that is even the person that was going to help us, um, grew, this person actually grew a, a seemingly large Facebook following, but they did it whenever, you know, before Facebook changed everything. Yeah. And so they're saying, we're going to show you how to get massive engagement. Mm. And then you go to their page and they don't have massive, engage, massive yeah. engagement. And you go to their link, uh, Instagram and they have less than you and Twitter and they have less than you. And I don't even have a large following on them. So anyway, the point being is that, so I struggle with saying that term, but one of the things she suggested that I now maybe wish I did, but maybe I wasn't meant to because of what you just said was she suggested that what we should do for the show was start up a Facebook group with past guests. Mm. And we never did it. And I always like sort of beat myself up. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do this? And now I, I bought your coaching, uh, your group program. Mm -hmm. And um, we're about to, once our launch is done for the speaking program, we're about to dive in. And so maybe I wasn't meant to, because maybe I'd be shutting it down now anyway. And I wouldn't have had the knowledge of keeping people engaged because that's like you said it, I think in the program, but I know it to be true as well, is you see more Facebook groups and fan pages that are dead in the water then you do engage like yours or like we talked about podcast for paradise or some of those pages that are really engaged. And so you guys have found stuff that worked. I mentioned one of the things for me that I noticed was the theme day, you know, so there's these things that obviously are best practices that most people aren't doing. So maybe I would have had this group that was dead in the water and those guests I brought on at the time may be made like they may go, well, I'm not going to jump back in because you know, we were already in this and nothing happened. So right. maybe it was meant to be. But anyway, it's kind of interesting you say that's how it got started because we almost did. And for whatever reason, I can't say why. I think it was just I looked at the work involved and said, you know, if, I'm not, if I don't know if we're going to have engagement because I was already kind of bothered by having thousands of people on my fan page and little engagement. Mm. So it was just this judgment call. And anyway, I think maybe it was for the right reason. Maybe it was part of my joint up thoughts. Maybe this moment that I bought your program will be the, the reason that I know why I didn't go the other direction. But it's kind of cool how you got started in a way we were going to originally start. Yeah. It can work too, not to knock the whole having one with a past guest. It works best if someone like you who's interviewed 4,000 people or whatever, it can work there. Where it doesn't work if someone says, um, let's say they have a weekly show and they just launch it and they say, I'm going to have a Facebook group for past guests of the show. Well, they only have 52 potential members per year and, and you're not going to get all 52. Maybe you get 20, maybe you get 30. That's a pretty small group. So I wouldn't recommend it if it's a weekly show. If you're doing a daily show, then definitely you could do it. But however you do it, don't divide your attention. And um, I've always been a big fan of not splitting my attention. So in this case, whatever I was doing with the coaching jungle took off and caught fire. I said, I'm going to ride that pony, right? And forget about the other one. Uh, so th that's why I did it. And I, I hated to shut down the other one because I was developing good relationships with people who'd been on the show in there and stuff. But I just wasn't being active in there. And if I'm not active in a group, I don't want to keep it going. Same thing goes with my LinkedIn group. Like I'm not a LinkedIn guy. I just don't enjoy LinkedIn. I'm there. I do a post a day and do a little bit, but I had a LinkedIn group that was, um, it was neglected. It was kind of the redheaded stepchild. I just wasn't paying attention to it. And once I killed it off, I just felt like a lot left a hundred pounds went off my shoulders. So I was like, ah, oh, that feels good. I don't have to worry about moderating it. I don't get it. I don't get LinkedIn groups. Like I do Facebook groups and I killed it off. So whatever you do, focus on whatever's working, stick to that. Don't try to do a couple different groups on a couple different platforms. So Mark, I'm going to move away from, from uh, groups because uh, you know, I want to, as we start to wind down, I want to make sure we at least mention coaching. And then if we get time, I want to ask you a few questions that we try to ask most of the guests on the show. Um, but the groups, just to, to finish that off, I know we can't do it justice you know, in a, in a short interview, especially where we're only covering it as, as even 10 minutes of the interview. Uh, but if listeners are saying, you know what, I wonder if building a group for leads or whatever the reason they want to build a group might be for them, where would you direct them? Because I know myself, like I said, I, I dived into your program. Well, I bought the program and it's on the back burner because I know once the launch is done, that's where I'm going to focus on it. Like you saw, I, I, I try not to divide my attention. Um, but where would you send them if they want to learn more about your expertise in the world of building Facebook groups, if they think that might be a possible business strategy for them? Well, I won't give the actual link. I'll get you an affiliate link. Uh, okay. So that way people, you got to buy ivory back scratchers. You got a new baby coming and stuff. So full disclosure, Corey will get paid. Um, if you want to put the link on your show notes page, 
um, you, you know, you can retire and go after your island with it. But um, yeah, I mean, my main page is naturalbornCoaches.com, and it's a group gold program is the name of the program. But we'll get you the link so you can um, make a few dollars, and it doesn't change the price of it. People pay the exact amount, but if you want to support Corey, go to the affiliate link. Okay, awesome, Mark. And it's funny because I don't own it, but I get to live on an island, which is kind of cool. It's just not yeah, the island yeah. that you're talking about. Uh, we'll talk about Evan Green Gables for the, the rest of the interview. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, what's funny is uh, that, I mean, as you know, with PEI yeah. in the summer for about three months a year, you do, you kind of live in an island paradise. The yeah. only problem is if you live here year round, you got to get beat up the rest of the year. It's an awesome, I, I don't, yes, I've been to PEI several times in the winter and it's like night and day compared to in the summer. It's this Utah you know the birds are chirping the grass is green the sand is red and it's just beautiful but then I've been there before in like February and I'm thinking you know okay time to leave the island you know we're gonna go and I think I've only been there once or twice in the winter but it's a different spot beautiful province all year round but it is it's a magical place in the summers for sure absolutely so uh, Mark I mentioned I wanted to ask about coaching really quickly uh, I wanted to ask you two sides of coaching so one is on the side of why so i'm thinking entrepreneurs that are listening who coaching may not be their fit that may not be the direction they go with their career but maybe i'm wondering if, if you can make the case for or tell us why we should have a coach and then maybe i'll ask you about somebody who may be interested in coaching as a career but first and foremost why do you think people have a coach well i think regardless how motivated you are and how good you think you are at keeping yourself accountable you're always going to be missing stuff that a second pair of eyes could have helped you find so or help you see. So perfect example for years in real estate, I was approached several times by coaches, even though it wasn't as big back then. And I thought, why do I need a coach? Look at how well I'm doing. I'm doing awesome. You know, I should be coaching, you know? So I, I just said, no, thanks. You know, and then the business closure came around and I'm like, man, if I'd had a coach, maybe that would have helped things. Cause that person would have said, uh, pointed out some things I really should have seen. So regardless of how good you are, it does help to have someone away from the situation. A coach is less, um, a coach is committed. They want you to succeed, obviously, but they're not in the thick of things if you're going through something so they can look at it a little bit more objectively. So I think that that helps why you should have a coach. And it's just human nature. We do better accountability if we have somebody watching over our shoulder. It's t difficult you, if, you, if you don't have that person or that sort of um, whatever keeping you accountable, then you're going to slip up a little bit. You're not going to be as good, as disciplined as you could be. So huge fan of coaching because coaching got me back on my feet. And I was in, not literally in a ditch, figuratively, but I could have been literally in a ditch. And um, that got me back on my feet and rolling again. I had several coaches and mentors who helped me. I love that, Mark, because I will say that most of the coaches that I've interviewed that have had a lot of success with coaching are the ones who it seemed that coaching is what actually put them back on their feet. So I think that's, I wouldn't say that's common because like we said of how many coaches there are, if you look at the overall numbers, but it seems to be a common thread among the ones who are doing it for the right reasons and having financial success doing it. Yeah, so exactly. So flip side, uh, Mark, um, if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, and they heard that you help coaches, so they're listening and saying, you know, maybe coaching's for me. You know, we do have listeners that are entrepreneurs that, you know, they're newer in their journey or they're looking for a supplemental income or whatever that might be, or just might speak to them right now. Um, you know, what would you tell them in terms of, I guess, how, you know, how they could work with you or how you can help them or, or why coaching is a good career for them? You know, what are your thoughts on just coaching if you were speaking to somebody who's wanting to know more about it? Well, when I got started coaching, um, I didn't have a lot of help on the business side of it when I got going. I had to figure a lot of it out myself. So I was really throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing or throwing something at the wall, seeing if it would stick, right? And um, I figured it out, but it took me probably longer than it would have had I had somebody that was helping me directly with that. So I think it took me 11 months to go from, I had a sales gig with a telecommunications company here in Canada, and, and it took about 11 months to transition over full for coaching so I'm, I tell people hey look it took me 11 months figuring out myself I'm going to be helping you shortcut that and lessen that curve and if it took me 11 months not going to take you 11 months now I don't promise it's going to take a week either but I've had people who've you know transitioned over from nine to five in three months you know and then five months and two months and so on so it does take a little bit of time but I can help them 
uh, skip past a lot of those pitfalls that a lot of coach, new coaches fall into. So that would be the big advantage for me is I don't um, give any fluff or BS and, you know, stuff like that. My goal, here's my philosophy is with every client, I pretend that their, my success hinges on their success. So if they do very well, they become successful. I have everything that I want. Um, if they fail, then I'm living in a cardboard box under a bridge somewhere and I'm miserable. And that motivates me to say, Hey, I got to make sure I do a good job with this person as well. <laughs> I love that. And, mm -hmm. and I think, uh, that visualization is, is probably a powerful exercise. So, you know, that's probably a takeaway for somebody listening to this right now as well. Maybe a way to drive yourself, you know, to say, if, you know, if I don't, uh, deliver for clients, if I don't, as Ziegler, Zig Ziglar said, help everybody get, you know, what they want mm -hmm. so that I can get what I want. Uh, then, you know, then the end result could be me living in a cardboard box in a ditch. So I think yeah. that's a good, <laughs> good visualization. Um, Mark, I, I promised I'd end with, um, you know, a couple of, well, a few quick questions. Uh, you don't have to answer them quickly. I just, you know, we used to ask this as a succession of questions and sure. then, and then we'll just ask how we can learn more. So before we go there, um, I guess the first question out of that is passion. The, the, our title of our show is called conversations with passion. So what are your thoughts on this word passion? So, I mean, I can ask you how important you think it is, but some people struggle with even the word passion. Some love it, some don't. Uh, what are your thoughts on passion? And if you do, if you are big on it, do you think it's important for a person to find it? Yeah. So um, a perfect example, a friend of mine used to be a business broker and he was um, selling a bird store, which had great numbers, had amazing numbers, very profitable, but the people are just at that age that they want to retire. And he had all these people contact him because he was selling the business for them. And uh, what he asked him, he said, you know, what do you think of birds? Do you love birds? And some people kind of like, well, no, I don't love birds, but I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, that thing, I'd like to do it. The numbers look good. And he would say to them, this isn't for you because part of the reason the business was successful with the original owners was that they were there seven days a week. People could feel how passionate they were about birds. They were talking to customers about everything about birds, which me, I'm not a bird fan, so it wouldn't be for me. But his point was someone else could buy that business and they could run it into the ground because they just, they're not into birds and people could sense that. So there's a perfect example of how passion can definitely help things. But I say passion is the ultimate energy drink. So um, I, I, do you remember those little five hour energy drinks? You've seen those shots? Uh, beginning of 2017 for my resolution, I said, I'm going to stop drinking them because I used to drink one a day because I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't drink caffeine. I got Sprite here, full disclosure. But um, I said, I'm going to stop five hour energy drinks. Um, but I don't really need energy drinks because I love what I'm doing and it doesn't feel like work. And I, I like getting up at five o'clock. I like starting to work at it. I work at it in the evenings and everything. If I hated this, it would be painful. I'd be like, oh God, I gotta go talk to that Corey guy, you know, now do an interview. Oh God. So I say passion is the ultimate energy drink. You know, love that. You can trademark that. We'll put it in a can and we can sell it for 10 bucks a can or something. <laughs> I love that. Well, and it's yeah. funny because such a similarity, but I, I have a talk and I haven't, I haven't delivered it enough recently. I, I should get back into it because I really enjoyed delivering the talk. But it was a talk called Fueled by Vitamin P. And yeah. That P was the, you know, that, that's the, the vitamin you can't buy in the store. You can't buy vitamin P in the store, but it might be the most powerful vitamin you'll ever take. Mm. The idea of discovering your passion but and you know i've thought about changing it to purpose because like you said passions become a cliche but i haven't mm. heard many people negatively view that finding your why or purpose yet it'll eventually get there too probably yeah but one of those words that's overused uh, so that's why i want to ask you so uh mark the last uh, official question um because i want to make sure we find out how we can connect further with you the last official question probably my favorite question to ask guests that we bring on is if you were able to sit across from an 18 year old mark and give him one piece of life advice based on the you know what you've learned since and and you, you can go to 16 if you prefer whatever age you think you'd like to share that insight with them what do you think you might tell him oh, boy um i tell him buck a lot <laughs> probably <laughs> i don't mean in cars although that's a good advice too but um <laughs> Yeah, I would tell 18-year-old Mark that uh, it's not the end of the world. You know, you've heard the book, uh, who's it, Robert Carlson, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I think yeah. it's Robert Carlson. Um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And uh, I look at things that, that happened after that business closure, which seemed like the end of the world. And now I can't even remember some of the names of 
people involved and stuff, which shows how important it really was in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't important. So that's what I would tell them. Hey, you're going to hit some bumps in the road and some challenges. It's not the end of the world and, and just keep going through them. Again, there's another cliche is keep on trucking. But there's a great, I always remember a great acronym by, uh, I think Robin Sharma had in one of his books was KMF, keep moving forward. And I always said entrepreneurs should tattoo that somewhere on their body. I think that should be required for any entrepreneur. I love that. And I've read most of Robin's books and that really sounds familiar. Now I'm going to have to go back in and find it. Cause I'm pretty sure what is it? The leader without a title or who had no title. Pretty sure it was that book that it okay. was. In. Yeah. yeah. Leader who had no title. Yeah. Business fable. And, and yes. Yeah. And a great book. So awesome stuff. So there's a little plug for Robin Sharma as well. Um, You're so not related to him, are you? I was thinking maybe you guys were brothers or something. <laughs> no, no, no. We have the same haircut, but not really. Um, but yeah, so Mark, the, the, I guess the very last question, and I know you, uh, in, the, in the show's notes, you, you were nice enough to, you mentioned to give us a, a special link, and, and you mentioned how people could find it about the group. Um, is there anything else you would, you know, I guess we'll say drop to tell people how they can connect with you further? Sure. So uh, with the group, what I'll do is, um, this isn't enough for people to retire on, but if um, I'll do up a promo code that you can put on the show notes page for anyone listening. So we'll do a, a, a 20% um, discount for anyone buying that program. So it's normally two ninety seven. That'll take off whatever sixty bucks or whatever US with it, and we'll do up a promo code. Probably, um, I think you and I were talking about that. We'll set it up for the for the show notes page. So um, I thought I'd mention that, and then um, best spots natural born coaches to connect with me naturalbornCoaches.com or the Coaching Jungle. I'm in there quite a bit, so you can swing on in thecoachingjungle.com. I love that swing on in. <laughs> yeah. Is that your tagline yet? It should be. <laughs> I got to go trademark it. No, but you saw the new branding, which had a cartoon mark and a little uh, Tarzan outfit swinging on a vine. So I, yeah, I love that cartoon. <laughs> so you maybe yeah. you want to add that as your, your phrase, swing on yeah. in. I love exactly. That. Awesome. Well, Mark, my Winnie, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I'll call it a to be continued, even though I did that last time, because I'm sure we're going to have another interview down the road. Uh, but thank you so much. I think this is going to be for the right person. This could be transformational. So thank you for making that possible. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Well, thanks, Corey. I had fun. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.